I was going to start. Ready? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to uh, another episode of To Be Read, the podcast where we talk about books and drink cocktails that go along with the books. Yay! <laughs> um, so how are you, Katie? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We've been hanging out all day, pretty much. We have. It's kind of weird to all of a sudden, like, start a conversation <laughs> when we've already been hanging out all day yeah so we are currently in the midst of binge watching a show so we can do a screen episode for you guys at some point actually, actually it will have already, already heard come the out. episode about you will that have already heard it yes at this point anyway that's what we're doing today uh anything else going on uh not really yeah no it's a random day off in the middle of the week and it's i love those it's really enjoyable i love those days i really Maybe do a shit ton of stuff waiting for me when i get back but It'll be waiting for me. There so... always are. I went, so I had, you know, I had vacation for two weeks um, during Christmas and New Year's, and I went back to just, like, piles and piles and piles of emails. It took me probably eight hours just to get through all of the emails I needed to get through. Um, it's almost like, okay, vacation, not really worth it, but... <laughs> I mean, yours was long. Yes. Yeah. 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 I haven't done a really long one in a while. Like, the longest one I've done is 10 days, and that's, like, you know, Friday to sunday or whatever so it's only ever been like a week a full week yeah yeah but you have to imagine that if you're going to do two weeks around christmas is probably one of the best times to do it it is nobody's really working on around christmas time like nobody wants to do anything but everybody's got away messages right exactly but then there are those some of those office if it's email and not instant messenger (laughs) not instant messenger yeah oh my god i miss instant messenger sorry but um no, it's it's almost like there are some of those people who try to cram every possible thing into the last couple of weeks of the of year, year yeah. because, you know, they're procrastinating or yep. whatever. So there's that. Um, so, Katie, I had a question for you because, um, you know, we're I don't know how many episodes in we how many episodes we've recorded so far or whatever. And we've listened to a few of them. They've come out. I just wonder because it's something that bugs me every time I listen. Is there anything that when you listen to me and you speak that you're like, that you like, like focus on or notice a lot or whatever, or annoys you in any I way? I noticed that I cut you off a lot and I intentionally just did it right there <laughs> on purpose. I don't know. It's all good. <laughs> I really, I, I just have things that I want to say and I just can't wait to get them out. I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I, I there's nothing that I really, I mean, when we, the raw edits, all of our dead air that's like us thinking as we're trying to figure out the right. words that we want to use. Right, exactly, yeah. Shout out to producer Chris for taking those out. Thank God. Yeah, because it would be horrible to listen uh, to. One hour episodes would probably be like two and a half. Yes, of us just being like, uh. uh... <laughs> so I noticed, like, I noticed for me, um, and you know, you've known me for a long time, I giggle a lot <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, is that going to annoy a lot of people? But it's just something I've always done. I, in fact, one year for, I think it was for my birthday, my sister bought me this cute little like knickknacky thing and I still have it. It's downstairs. And it says um, something along the lines of, so you're the giggliest girl in the world and what a delightful title to have. So oh, like, it was just so like, cute. oh my God, that's so me. It and is. like, yeah. So um, sorry if I annoy anybody, but that's just how I am. <laughs> Way to giggle about it. <laughs> right, exactly. No, and I, I think, will tell I like, you. I don't know. I like our laughing. I know. Well, well, that's part of the joy and the fun of it. Yeah, but, um, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. I mean, I have told you this. I do listen to us when I listen to our regular podcast on, what, on 1.5 times. Do because you? Yes, because 
I feel like I listen to almost every podcast I listen to on 1.5 because I just don't have time to sit there <laughs> and like let it go, like whatever. So I'm like, okay, if I can get this done a little bit quicker than it's intended Even case to file? Case file is the only one I don't okay. listen to on on, on, on fast. one and a half times. No, because I like the sound of his voice. I like the cadence of his voice. So um, no, but I, I like my voice a lot better when it's on 1.5 times. Okay. I, so for anybody out there who's listening and they listen to us on, on just regular time and they're like, wow, this girl's voice is annoying. Go ahead and click it on up to 1.5. <laughs> Do I get louder on 1.5? No. Oh, shit. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, okay. I will say that I thought I would be way more annoyed by hearing my voice recorded. Yeah. And I think like the first episode that came out, I was kind of like, yep, that's annoying. And then you get used to since it. Since then, I'm like, all right. You get used to it. She sounds like somebody I could be friends with. Right. Not right. like the person in my head, but you know. Yeah. You you definitely get used to it. I have gotten used to it. It's one of those things that just always freaks me out. Like, I don't know if we've had this conversation before. I think but we did. Yeah, we At probably did. I don't know if it was into microphones, but yeah. we definitely have. But it's like, it's like I always wonder what other people's voices sound like to them. Because I'm here. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm hearing what you sound like to me and what you sound like to me when I'm listening to you on the podcast. So it's just, it's always, it's that weird thing of like, wow, what does Katie think her voice sounds like? Not the way it sounds. Yeah. But the right. way it sounds. Yeah. I think exactly. we talked about it the night we watched um, Hating Game with the Book Club ladies. Yeah. That, you're I probably right about we that. We were talking about yeah, it. That makes sense. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll just, we're just going to jump right in, right? Yeah. The, the prologue. All right. So the book that we read for this episode is The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. And that was published on December 29th, 2020. Right in the middle of COVID. Maybe as middle, you know, hopefully the middle. Yeah, that's kind of what you would hope. But at this point, no. Who the, fuck knows? <laughs> Who the hell knows? No, because we're a full year past that now. So, Shit. yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Katie. Why don't so, you give us the synopsis? I'm going to read book. the back of the book. Linus Baker is a by the book caseworker in the Department of in Charge of Magical Youth, also known as Dichemy. That doesn't say that on the back of the book. I'm putting that in there. <laughs> At 40, he lives in a tiny house with a devious cat and his old records for company, but his quiet life is about to change. Linus is summoned by extremely upper management and given a curious and highly classified assignment. Travel to an orphanage on a distant island and determine whether six dangerous magical children are so dangerous, in fact, that they're likely to bring about the end of days. When Linus arrives at the strangest of islands... He's greeted by a series of mysterious figures, the greatest mystery of which is Arthur Parnassus, the master of the orphanage. As Linus and Arthur grow closer, Linus discovers the master would do anything to keep the children safe, even if it means the world has to burn. Or worse, his secret comes to light. The House in the Cerulean Sea is an enchanting love story, masterfully told, about the profound experience of discovering an unlikely family in an unexpected place and realizing that family is yours. Very nice. I don't think I read the back of the book, and I really like it. Yeah, it's very. We it's picked very... this one good. Yeah, I know. No, I like that. I like that. Um, it's a good. It's a good little synopsis of the book for sure. Um, and as usual, we are drinking a cocktail to go along with our book today. We are. Now we have uh, matching same size glasses. We sure do. Clink, clink, clink. Ah. <laughs> you didn't have to say clink, Katie. I know. He's gonna put it in there. <laughs> mm. Okay. Ooh, all right. That's very... I've got, a, like, a minty flavor to it. Like, is that the tea, do you think? No, the tea was smoky tea. Hmm. I don't know. Do you taste, like, a little bit of a mintiness it's, I think it? it's the bitters. May, oh, yeah, that could be. Okay, so it's a vodka... Tea-infused vodka, a honey syrup, lemon juice, blue curacao. Yep. 
bitters. That's supposed to be cardamom bitters, but we couldn't find that because yeah. no stores carry cardamom bitters. It. Nobody sells it. So instead of making our own for three to four days, we just use regular bitters and sprinkled in some cinnamon. Yeah. And it's it tastes, tasty. It's tasty. Yeah, I like it. Um, it's called Cerulean Seas. Uh, so that's why that's our little tie in. Um, it's not quite cerulean. I don't know if that's just the way, like the way that we made it, but it's a little bit more greenish to it's me. It's a little, but... it's a little dirty ocean instead of like beautiful ocean. Beautiful island, uh, by the sea ocean or you know color. But um, maybe the maybe the taste I'm tasting. I don't know like exactly how what blur, blue curacao. Blue curacao is orange. Oh, you're right. It's the citrusy flavor, right? Yeah, it's orange. Yes, yeah, so I'm totally getting like a minty flavor. Anyway, that's our cocktail for out. today. I don't have any gum. I don't chew gum while I'm talking. <laughs> Not on the podcast, Katie. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get started about talking about this book and jump right into our story here. All right. So story. The the story. We read this book once again for our book club, and this was our most recent book club. And we're actually recording this out of order because we wanted it fresh in our in our minds. Yep. Um, so this isn't even going to come out for a little while. Um, we just wanted it to be. But you're listening to it now. You're, yes. Yeah, exactly. Time warp. <laughs> so um, Steph picked this one. It yes. was Steph, Steph's book. Um, and I think that she had two that she was going to pick. And we had said that we were thinking about using this one for the podcast. Yes. And, and she chose it sort of based on that. Right. Exactly. Um, and I can't even tell you how many people, when I even told them that we were doing a podcast about books, they were like, read this one, read this really? one. And it's the house in the street. Every single time I said, oh, if you have books that you want us to cover, um, somebody would like DM me and it would be the house in the cerulean seas. I Weird. was like, wow. That's okay, crazy. All right. And, and it actually that happened after you and I had already discussed it at one point um, because I hadn't even heard of it until you pointed it out yeah. to me. So I had a coworker that um sort of talked to her about books randomly. Yeah. She's since retired, but this was one of her last emails to me about books. Okay. She said she read this and okay. she thought it would I don't remember even she said it was great for a podcast cuz I think I had told her at that point in time. But either way, she said it was a great book and I should read it yeah. and I put it on the list and yeah. then here it is. Yeah. And I know we both thoroughly enjoyed it. We're both very big magical fans i mean we we both love harry potter fantasy, obviously yep. fantasy that kind of thing and this totally brought back vibes of harry potter to me not like not super related you know what i mean but very much like the the magical children kind of aspect and daikami where it was like this this um you know kind of reminded me of the ministry of magic the this organization thing. yeah the organization that monitors and monitors and exactly so um, that was all very interesting to me and made me made me long to, like, read Harry Potter again, for sure, which I'm going to have to do at some point. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, did you enjoy the book? I really liked the book. It was it was really fast. Um, I, again, the whole magical side of it, I did really much enjoy it. Um, I like the stepping outside his comfort zone. And, and going someplace that he had never been to. Like, they, he said he had never been on vacation for right. more than, like, a day or something like that. Yeah. And here he is going to the ocean, which he never even dreamed of seeing, which is bizarre to me. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure there's people in our country that have never seen the ocean. Absolutely, yeah. But I think that, I don't know, by living in New York, we have 
mountains and ocean yes, and beaches. Yeah. Like we have everything. We have a lot of access to a lot of different. Really close. Yeah. yeah kind so of that... like topography in, the, in our country yeah. and our, our state even. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I know we had discussed this a little bit at book club about how we're not exactly sure where this takes place. I know I argued that it definitely takes place in England. It's it's. He lives in London, I thought. Then we did a little deep dive. And again, this is another book that the author doesn't doesn't specify. specify. It's literally wherever your imagination takes mm-hmm. you. So you had it in London. I think yes. I was kind of in like a made up London. is Because is, okay. I, I don't think I actually put it in London yeah. or England. Um, but I think I had it in something kind of like it mm-hmm. but i don't i can't say that it was a specific actual real place i think right. because it's it's so fantasy i had it in its own magical yeah bubble i kind of um, i think i thought london only for the sense that it definitely had the english vibe to me like i know that there were there were words in there like we called them before um uh what did we call what the hell did we call them like trigger, not trigger words but you I know, know what you mean yeah yeah um keywords like, yes that those keywords that to you that it's definitely was like an english person um and i can't remember off the top of my head right now what those words were <laughs> that kind of stuck out to me so i the whole time i was reading it i was picturing london and england and obviously when he goes off to um the house in the cerulean sea i was just kind of picturing one of those like almost like mediterranean islands you know what i mean which like, is not really that close to london but no, i get what you're saying no but i mean <laughs> i mean he does take a ridiculously long train ride to get to wherever you know where this yeah. place is so um i don't know i don't know That's i think just... i want it i think because it's cerulean i wanted it to be more like you said mediterranean caribbean style yep. seas yeah which might have been why i didn't necessarily put it in london because i don't i feel like it's it's not the atlantic ocean stormy yeah title our cocktail version of right of exactly yes seas. it's definitely not pretty cerulean blue yeah um in that same vein though there, we also had a discussion about the fact like what time period does it take place in oh yeah good point um which it, it doesn't have anything to say that it's not now and they just don't have updated equipment or right. technology right. but there's they're talking about records and record players yep. and he has to mail his reports in there's no email there's yes. no laptop that went with him he brings a hard copy like of a cell a, phone. A rules and regulations yeah. yeah 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 you're probably right so just the way i mean when i'm reading like a book like that that doesn't really specify anything i always still kind of picture now a now period because that that stuff didn't even really flag to me like Honestly, I wasn't even thinking, oh, this guy doesn't even have a cell phone that he can just call. Like, it, it, it's something that honestly didn't even come to mind when I was reading it. It just kind of glossed over. See, I think in my mind it came up because he had to take the ride in the car across the canal on the ferry to go right. mail his letter at the post office. Right. He couldn't just shoot them the report. Mm-hmm. I would be curious if producer Chris wants to ding in what year um, the day the music died came out because they do reference that song yes so i would think it's after then i want to say that that was early 70s but i could totally be wrong about that because that's you know that was that plane crash with what buddy holly big bopper yeah is that chuck berry i don't even know like i i might be killing somebody on accident in a plane (laughs) crash but i know buddy holly was part of it right I, I know Big Bopper. That's what I got. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Ding! Producer Chris here. Sarah and Katie got this one pretty much right. The Day the Music Died happened in 1959, and Don McLean wrote American Pie, chronicling that day in 1973. 
Yeah. So they and yeah, that's another big theme of the the whole book is the the music aspect. And this Linus obviously really enjoys playing those records and those forty fives, and you know, um, they bring that in a lot where they throw out like, okay, Linus put on this record and uh, it was so-and-so singing singing about so-and-so. You know what I mean? Yes. And how did you feel about that, Sarah? I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't like it. You just did. But, but <laughs> what I mean is that it was a little bit too often and too much. I just felt too, like... Too used. Yes. I was like, okay, I don't need to know... That's not why I'm reading this story. I don't need to know every little time he's listening to a song exactly what the person singing is singing about. Like, that's not why I'm I'm reading this book. I, I just thought that it was just put in there a little bit too often and used a little bit too much. Like, maybe he was trying to show off his... His, his musical knowledge yeah repertoire. like yeah and you know what good for you honestly good for you <laughs> seriously i'm so glad you like that music but it's also not not my kind of favorite like it's not my kind of genre so yeah i, I grew up listening to all of that so i kind of it hit a sweet spot for me yeah um this was another book um true to my nature i waited until way too late to read the book for <laughs> book club so i was listening to i read about three quarters of it in paperback mm -hmm. And then I put on the audio version so I could listen to it in my car. Yeah. And I absolutely despised it. I hated the audio version. I hated the voices. I know that we had a whole discussion about that. Yeah. On a side note, if they had actually put musical clips of the songs that he mentioned into the audio version, just as like the background, not necessarily as he's specifically saying the words, have those words play, right. but just like the little subtle clips in the background of him talking i don't know i think i would have liked it better but that would have been a copyright issue though they would not have been able to do that unless they and paid. that's why probably why they didn't do it yes exactly yeah yeah that's something that um if you have like a clip even like movies and tv shows they have to pay for that music when they put music in into a tv show so sometimes when you're watching um i don't know if you've ever caught this but i've caught it on a few tv shows that i've watched like if you're watching a tv show on cable it might have a song in it, and then when you watch it on a streaming service, that is replaced by a completely different song because the the streaming service couldn't get the rights to that song to put it on. Isn't isn't that strange? That's bizarre. <laughs> also, I don't think bizarre. I've ever watched the same show on two different formats. Well, I did in the, like I when I rewatch a show. Okay, so I recently rewatched um, Dawson's Creek. Did you watch Dawson's Creek when you were nope. a teenager? So I recently rewatched. I was in that. college, not a teenager. Okay, okay, but you're still a teenager in college, sort of. right? Yeah. I don't know exactly when it started, but um, I rewatched it. This is not working. Um, I rewatched Dawson's Creek. It was on the WB when I was a teenager, and the theme song was that friggin' Paula Cole song that I don't want to wait. You know. Or last to be over. <laughs> that one. That's um, my singing career. But yeah, that was so good, Katie. That yep. was a really good, mm -hmm. bravo. But when you watch it on Netflix, it's a completely different theme song. Really? Yes. Um, It was terrible. I didn't like it. I hated every second See, of it. See, I would think that if the show paid for it, it would stay with the show. And it's, okay. Nope. has to do with, I guess, the like... The, the owner of the show? I think I so, yeah. Okay. Which is um weird, but yeah. And a couple of times while I was like in the middle of an episode, I was like, okay, I remember this part of this, and I know this song played over it, but it was a completely different song. Huh. Super strange. Anyway, uh, that was a weird tangent. Anyway. That's okay. <laughs> um, back to the audio version. Yes. Uh, I've told you before, I do not like listening to books, particularly because of the voices. Mm -hmm. um, 
and, and I by this this book and I said at a book club I realized I read the voices in black and white and yep. they, everybody sounds the same in my head yeah um and then when I flipped to the audio version and he started doing voices and Chauncey had a lisp and he yeah. sounded like Cookie Monster with a lisp oh and then that was terrible for me um Lucy sounded way too childlike okay it just like too much like a little girl and I just I couldn't get over that yeah Arthur's voice was very much like gonna sound terrible but he sounded just really really characteristically stereotypically gay and it was just but it was a fake voice because yeah. it was the guy doing or the I'm not even sure who the, the the narrator was yeah but it was just I don't know it's just I don't like it when because obviously when they narrate these books and when they do the audiobook versions it's just one person reading and they're doing they're making up these voices and like I, that's why I can't that's what I just can't get past yeah. I'm like I don't, don't like that don't do voices yeah but I will say that both Patty and Chrissy very much so enjoyed that yeah and said that it made the book actually come alive to them more yeah which each their own yeah I mean it makes it for some people who don't enjoy reading as much as say you and me like it could make things a little bit more colorful for for them you mm -hmm. know what I mean like um and easier to especially if you're if you're listening to it instead of reading it just easier to um uh differentiate between the voices and who's who's saying what when and where basically you know so yeah i i am with you i i don't enjoy it listening to audiobooks and people doing that no thank you i'd rather do it i think i'm a little bit more no, I don't hear like complete voices, but I definitely get like a little bit, bit of inflections when I'm reading it myself. So no, it's not black and white and no, it's not perfectly colorful with everybody's voices. Okay. But there is a little bit of a change that I notice in my own head when I'm reading. Did you have a favorite character in the book? I think, and this question actually came from Katie Book Club. Who, were you, who was your favorite character? Oh, okay. I really, 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 really liked Zoe. I, I really like Zoe, Zoe a lot. Yeah. Um, nothing against Linus and Arthur. Arthur was pretty fantastic. There's just something about Zoe and her putting her innate spirit, not spirit, sprite. Yeah. Island sprite. I'm the owner of the island. I can't let anybody else on there. And then she turned it into like a protection thing. Right. Of the kids on the island. Yes. And Arthur. Yeah. And I like that. What about you? Um, I also like Zoe. Uh, but if I'm picking, you know, my personal favorite character was definitely Lucy. You know, Lucy is this little six-year-old boy. And is and uh, Lucy is short for Lucifer <laughs> because he is literally the child of the devil. What I, what I loved the most about him is that he's this, you know, you're picturing, when you're reading it, you're picturing this little kid, this little six-year-old kid, and he's saying these absolutely crazy violent ridiculous things that would you know if you're looking directly at a kid saying that you would you'd probably laugh burst out you'd burst out absolutely. laughing but at the same time it's like it's um it's almost like okay it's kind of terrifying because you know yes this is a magical being and yes he is actually the son of the devil he could actually turn my insides to my outside yes exactly but uh he had this one line that i i um i took a picture it? of i did you found the quote yes i found the quote and it's lucy saying and i can't even remember why like what they were talking about but lucy says my insides are rotted and festering like an infected wounded le wound leaking pus I just, I don't know. I read that and I just cracked up. But li literally every time he said something random like that, 
I laugh. Random, rancid. R- yes. And there was another one where um, they're when they're in town and they're talking to Helen, who is the owner of the garden store. Yep. The, yeah. And also um, the mayor. Yes. Yeah. She does. She has town a lot council, of council president, yeah. something. She has a lot of different jobs in, in the town. They're there and she calls someone a daft little bitch. And then, which Lucy thinks is the most, the funniest thing he's ever heard. And he keeps like mouthing it, you know, yes. oh, daft little bitch. I think like just testing the words coming hilarious. out of his mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so funny. So I can cute. I picture Eric, my five-year-old doing that and just <laughs> yeah. like repeating the words and just being like, let me see how that feels coming out of my mouth. Exactly. Yes. But yeah, you can totally picture a little six-year-old saying something like that yeah. and like thinking it's hilarious yep. because, oh my God, she said bitch, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> bitch. Bitch. So, but it's funny because... Yes, this kid is six years old, but he's also a very dangerous creature. Yeah. You know, so. Could bring about the end of days. Exactly. Exactly. He's the Antichrist. Yes. (laughs) In theory. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I think he was my favorite um, all around character. But I mean, the kids on the island all have their little things that they're i was quirky. like yes they're so cute talia i, I love, love talia. talia i love the, the 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 mental image of this little garden gnome that's female with a beard that's yes. got a little attitude a full bushy beard yes a little tiny little thing waddling across the yard at you. yes and constantly saying that she's going to kill somebody because if he if he screws up her garden yeah. or something like that yep. you know knock him over the head with her shovel and she's bury him in the leave, ground leave yes. his grave open yes in case she needs it yes it's so funny and talia is what 200 something years old but yes but she won't be mature until 500 correct yeah so she's still very young um garden gnome anyway but yes all the kids are very adorable super cute as for the adults um i think zoe was my favorite adult but i thought linus had a really good story too like he did just him coming into himself and realizing that he doesn't have to always follow the rules as they're put in front of you. Yep. I, I I just I always love that as a story in general. You know, somebody who's really closed off, meeting these people who who open him up and show him what life could really be like if you right. just whatever. And I think he always had it in him to care for the children as mm-hmm. he, you know, by stealing all the files at the end. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he had that in him and he just, like you said, needed somebody to open it out right. of him. And I think he had to do his own thinking. Yeah. I think he got such a, for lack of a better description, stuck in a rut of you go, you sit at your desk, you follow the rules, you write your reports and then you go home. Right. And then lather, rinse, repeat, you do the same exact thing. Over and over and over and over and over. And I don't know where I was going with that, but I feel like he did come completely out of himself once he got, you know what? It's kind of, I just, <laughs> literally. a literal light bulb just came above Katie's head. It's so we talked about the fact that it's, you know, it could be London, but it's, it was very gray and drab and mm-hmm. it was cold and and then he gets to the cerulean seas and there's all these colorful characters right it's almost literally like he stepped through the door in wizard of oz and uh, he yep. went from gray kansas, yep. kansas that's Black and just dusty to yep. this beautiful world of all these things and, and people and experiences and colors and i just... wouldn't be surprised if that was a um uh, analogy or... not an analogy but like if like if um tj clune had used that as kind of a uh inspiration you know yeah. what i mean 
for because it's you're absolutely right. It's very similar. Light bulb. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It was total light bulb. That your your eyes just lit up. But um. But yeah. No. I t- I can totally see that. And um. I like I said. I wouldn't be surprised if that had been an inspiration to him. Like maybe it was his favorite story growing up because it's very remarkably he takes similar. This long journey, and then all of a sudden he's in this whole different right. Land. Exactly. Yeah. I want to talk about the the politics of where Linus lives yes. and like everything yep. there because you're looking at a very like authoritarian country. Um whether it's a you know it's a, f- a fictional country obviously um whatever but it's very authoritarian like you this is how many hours a day you have to go to work you sit in this spot you don't talk to anybody else you don't you know look at Can't anybody have else, anything basically. on your desk that's Can't, no pictures any kind are of on personal your desk. no no personal yep. stuff you're not allowed to um you know speak to the higher upper management people because they're extremely just too far upper above. management yes. They're they're too they're too good for you basically. I wish extremely upper management had been like an acronym of like if you used the first letters and made an acronym, it would spell something like that. Eom. Yeah. Eom. Yeah. <laughs> something that's a, like douchebags basically, right. but in letters. Right. But uh <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't I, work. It out. doesn't. Yeah. Eom. Um Eom. Yeah, we're just gonna Anyways, keep saying sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> uh no, it was a good little interlude. Um when he goes to this different place and again is is being shown this different world by people that he didn't he didn't know it even existed you know of course he knew that magical children existed but he didn't know this level of something like this existed and with his the rules and regulations he when he first went out there he was just anticipating okay this is just a job i have to complete this is just um i have to focus mainly on whether or not the kids are safe i don't care about anything else you yes, know what i mean i like, do my report and then something else happens but it's not of my concern because it's never been part of my job right. and i am not a supervisor or em or em yes by going to this island and getting this special assignment he finds out the other side of all of that right. because he actually has you know, he, he's immersed in their world and, and has more conversations other than at some point he said that he knows when kids have been scripted to say, are you being fed? And they're like, yes, I'm perfectly well taken care of. Right. And he can tell when it's scripted. So he's he's aware that that kind of modeling, not modeling, molding goes right. into some of the kids in the orphanages. So actually being immersed in and having the conversations with them so that Arthur can say to them, have you ever been to a school? Do you know what happens? And and opening his eyes to that whole side of it is right. is good for him and right. and makes him better at his job almost. Yeah. If he were to stay in his job, which he doesn't. Obviously, he does not know. Um, spoiler alert, he, he goes back to the island. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in that same, the whole author, that's a big word for me. Yeah. Authoritarian. Yes. A, there's all of the, 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 there's parallels to what's going on in our society Absolutely. right now, too, with undocumented versus um, unregistered. Yep. If, if they're magical youth and they're not registered which zoe is not zoe is an unregistered magical being um and uh i mean that's just the whole the whole thing of you know we discuss this a lot at book club but like the whole thing of the see something say something is very very much a product of um the hate that people have for something other than them you know what i mean um i actually have a quote uh when they're in the ice cream store when they take the field trip to the to the island off the island off the island, off the into island, the town. Yes. Um, after Sal turns into a dog and 
Linus is holding him, he said, and I'm pretty sure Jess is the one that brought this one up. Um, it's not fair, Linus said, staring off into nothing, the way some people can be. But as long as you remember to be just and kind, like I know you are, what those people think won't matter in the long run. Hate is loud, but I think you'll learn it's because it's only a few people shouting, desperate to be heard. You might not ever be able to change their minds, but so long as you remember you're not alone, you will overcome. And I just, it's a, such a good quote. It's a very good quote. And it's almost like goosebump inducing. It, absolutely. <laughs> I I think when I, re- when I actually was physically reading that part I probably cried a little bit because it is it's such an important thing to like internalize you know what I mean like again especially with how things are in our and physically in our in our own country right now it is the loud minority you know they're loud because they hate something and they don't like the way things something is and change you know people don't like change but change for the better happens whether you like it or not exactly and and like you know and especially you know when we're growing as a country and we're becoming something different but um it's very uh i i, I love to like see that reflected in in works of art you know what i mean like yes. i did a quote yep. there but <laughs> <laughs> um because it's important to see yeah, it's important. To, yes, it's a, it's a fictional book and it's important to like, you know, be able to step out of your own world into something new. But it's also important to see like that things are also reflected in that. You know, you're you're learning lessons from the stuff that you see every day yes. in your own life. And, and because this is fantasy and it is about magical youth, I think it makes it more comfortable for people who might not want to read something like The Hate You Give or right. any other kind of hot topic book right this being written the way it is i feel like it's it's going to possibly influence people more right right just because they'll actually pick it up and read it because they won't know that that like maybe it'll maybe it'll sink in hidden agendas one person (laughs) you know but that's if it yeah that's what they always say even if you have an effect on one person it's enough the positive effect yes it's a positive effect um but yeah that was like something that um, every time I saw that see something, say something quote in the book, it 1000% like brought me back to 9-11 and like immediately after 9-11 yeah. when it was like, you know, every single thing you saw, especially in an airport was, you know, if you see something, say something, blah, 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 blah. And like, I think that might've actually been the slogan. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And, you know, depending on what it is. Yeah, I can understand that. But when you're talking about in that vein of things, like you're literally talking about someone who looks different than you and like cultivating a hate in a, in a bunch of people because, you know, because they're scared because they're scared and you're worried because, yes, you know, a certain group of people did something and now you're worried that that entire population is going to, you know what I mean? Like, but it's did just... that actually happen? Was there any kind of indication that there was something that there was something that no, that something some magical youth or otherwise created some kind of did something terrible? No, not in the book. No. So we don't know why. Like what the precursor, what to the precursor, the to establishment of yeah. the the diachemy yeah. was. Could this have always been a part of their world, or did something happen to the trigger its creation? Trigger it? yeah. yeah, exactly. Like maybe one time there, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't Lucy because you know Lucy's only six, but maybe, maybe his, his father. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about, and I don't know. I totally random thought. Yeah. 
uh, we're talking about Lucifer and Damien is the character in In the Woods. Yeah. That we're watching yeah. also today. Yeah. A lot of religious... A lot, uh, of, a lot of devil stuff going on. A lot of religious undertones. And um, and I mean, honestly, that's for like literally every book that you, you could read. You you have a lot of religious undertones and um, whatever. Even, whether it be religious or atheist or whatever, but yeah. something always comes back to that those kind of thoughts it's a main part of a lot of people's lives absolutely absolutely understandable yeah it um um, that's how people identify themselves a lot so what did you think about his neighbor what was her name again mrs i'm a bitch mrs i'm a bitch yeah no baker mrs like something like that it could be mrs baker it could be mrs not mrs flowers oh no he's baker oh duh yeah he's his name is linus baker now she was a bitch she mrs clapper mrs clapper okay okay yeah, no, she was horrible. I mean, I think that she merely existed in, in the book as like a as like a thorn in his side. Debbie Downer to the extreme. Yes, yeah. So early on in the book, she Linus comes home and she's out there, you know, smoke I don't know if she's smoking a cigarette or pipe, just sitting I out there. A pipe, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I knew she was smoking something. So she's sitting out there. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all sometimes? Yeah. Um so she's sitting there and, you know, she just needle- needles under his skin a little bit. And, you know, hey, do you have a special lady in your life? And merely for the fact that she knows that he's gay, you know, he's homosexual. And I, just, I feel like that's just one of those things like someone would say to someone just to try to get a rise out of them. Yep. You know what I mean? I think it's interesting that I think. Kate in book club mentioned the fact that it, it's nice to see homosexuality being a part of a book mm-hmm. where it's not the main focus of the book. Right. And it is it's very true. Like it's it's early on mentioned that he doesn't like ladies. He likes men. But it's not something that defines focused him. on. Yes. And it's not it's also not really negative. Like there's no negative connotations about it. Yes. It's just who he is yeah. and who he loves. Yeah. And even in that sense, like it's not even um it's not even something that someone w- like Mrs. whatever Clapper. the Clapper. Like, you know, she just says it matter of factly. It's not, you know, everybody knows it about him and it's not whatever. She's more angry about his cat than anything right, else. Right, exactly. No, I, I love that it's something that it's just mentioned in passing. And yes, there is a love story involved. Him and Arthur obviously fall in love and they, in, they, they're on their way to getting married, at least at the end of the book. But like... I love that it's not it's not what defines him as a person. Yep. You know, I, it's just like he this is who he is and we understand that immediately and um it's never something that is cause for um being made fun of or anything right. like that. He's I, more I made fun that. of his weight than he is about his homosexuality. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I love that because because it shouldn't be. Yes, I mean people need representation and mm-hmm. this is a big deal in this book like just to say wow like okay this was just kind of like mentioned and glossed over and you know whatever it's like people you want to see that you want to see it become more mainstream and like that kind of thing and it's normal this is what happens you know people love people this is what life is so it was really refreshing to read that and it not be like and then at the end you find out that zoe and helen are in a relationship yeah that i feel like that was kind of like tacked on i was kind just of like just oh yeah by the way yeah, by the way zoe like, and helen wait, i was what? like what? okay oh, where, where right. did that come from yeah. honestly but at the same time i was like oh shit okay do you i or love her. it <laughs> <laughs> i love it i can't remember did we get 
we did get a few like questions questions yep. about this book specifically. Yep. So I read you I read you one of Katie's. Yes. Um, so Jess asked, "When do you think Linus realized he belonged on the island and that was his home?" So, I I want to say this is this is a tough question for me because I think that little by little, even early on, he's realizing that what is waiting for him at home isn't special and isn't what he where he wants to be. Of course, he doesn't really come to the decision until much later, but I do think that within like a couple of weeks, he's already it's already implanted in his head like my life is nothing like this. Mm-hmm. This is where I want to be. I love this. You know, I'm enjoying myself for the first time in my 50 years or whatever, yep. however old I am, you know, like getting tan, losing yes. weight. Exactly. Having a blast. Yep. I think that he uh, it, it didn't really cross his mind as being an option because he was so conditioned to think, I have to go back to my house. Mm-hmm. I have to go tend to my sunflowers. But right. ha ha ha, Mrs. Clapper already pulled those out instead of taking care of them for you. Right. Um, but I think it, it was so much in him, like, this is what I do. This is how I have to live. This is where I have to go. I don't think it really crossed his mind until he had left the island yes. and he got home and then was like, or not home, but he got back to his house and was like, shit, this isn't where I want to be. Yes. I'm just thinking about everybody back there. Yes. And somebody mentioned at Book Club too, which I thought was a something that I didn't catch on to and I thought was an amazing point. But when he pulls up to his house in London, in quotation marks or wherever the <laughs> hell he is, whatever city he's in. Pseudo London. Pseudo London, yeah. He notices that Mrs. Clapper has removed his sunflower bushes. That was the only color that was in his life yep. up to going to the island so like he comes home and sees that what little color that was in his life is gone and he's right then and there he i feel like he makes that decision he's like okay i'm gonna do what i can do here and it's time peace the fuck out i need to i need to leave i need to go back to the people that i want to be with so yeah i think that was i think that's when he made the ultimate decision so we have another question from katie yeah not me who should play Linus and Arthur and any other characters if this was made into a movie? Ooh, okay. Do you have any ideas? Let's Did just, you... I'm going to hit pause and think about this for a hot second because I haven't yet. Okay. Pause. Yeah. When you hit pause, you have to hit unpause. So I think that in my mind, the only person I can immediately say is for Lucy is the little kid that plays Damien in The Omen with Julia Stiles. I don't think I ever saw that movie, but I I think I, I I think I know who the kid you're talking about is. He's not that age anymore, so it wouldn't really work. Yeah, but like, but at the also at the same time, that kid is physically evil, whereas Lucy isn't really. Is not. I mean, yeah, but in my mind, that's sure. That's no, where, I gotcha. That's where I'm I lined gotcha. up. I was picturing Lucy as um, I can't remember the kid's name. I think he was the kid from the movie The Room with Brie, Brie Larson. Did you see that? I never saw that movie. I read the book. Or I love the book. Yeah, the and book I didn't want to watch the movie because I didn't want the movie to ruin the book. It's it doesn't it doesn't. But okay. I, I when I was picturing Lucy, I was picturing that kid. For Arthur, Arthur is like this. Arthur is like an older. He's like forty. I think mid forties is what they said. Um, I think he's yeah. I think he's later forties, and I think Linus, Linus is like mid forties. Yeah, early to mid forties. Um, Linus, I've got nothing. I can't think of anybody. So this is, I don't really, like, not his face, but more his shape is the freaking guy from Office Space, the, the stapler. Oh, my God. But not, like, the big glasses, just, like, yes. that outline of a person. Yeah, okay. I can't remember his name. I know exactly who you're talking about, obviously. And, like, 
when he, he said plays no salt, no salt on this point. Yes, but when he plays <laughs> in other things other than Office Space, he's not that. He's not that. He's not that right. goofy so th- and So then that yes. guy. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Whatever totally his name see that. is. He, oh my God, this is, this goes back to another, he was in Justified too. Oh my God. Um, he was, he played a judge in Justified, that guy. I don't know what Justified is. It's a TV show. We've had a conversation about Justified on this show already. I still don't know what Justified is. <laughs> you should watch it someday. Anyway, for Arthur, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm almost thinking like a, maybe George Clooney's too hot, but like that kind of type. You know what I mean? Like, cause you know, he's an older, older guy. What's but the guy's still... name that does the car commercials? Car commercials? Like, not Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, him. Nah. Okay. Nah, not for me. FYI, suck at names. <laughs> I should have known that one. Um. Yeah. Uh, Chauncey would just be, like, a gl- globulous, globule, bl- bl- like, uh, Slimer. Like, Slimer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. Yes. I can totally see that. Yep. Or yeah. Flubber. A big ball of Flubber. Yeah. Yeah. Then we got Sal. I don't know who Sal could Sal's be. Sal's got to be big. And I yeah. feel like he's got to be adorable. What about the kid from, did you ever see the movie The Blind Side? Nope. Okay. That's kind of who I pictured, like the the kid who put, starts playing football, Sandra Bullock's adopted son or okay. whatever. Um, that's who I kept picturing, just because he's a bigger kid. Big. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's who I was picturing when I read it. I don't think we're going to be able to, like, pick, like, Italia because, you know, I don't know many little girls with beards. <laughs> oh, but I I feel like I have somebody, like, right on the tip of my tongue for her that's just, like, a s- snarky little uh, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling? Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. With a beard. Yeah, with And a just, beard. like, a little bit of an attitude. That would be kind of cute. Um, What about Drew Barrymore when she was a kid, like, when she was in E.T.? That would be kind of cute. With for a beard. Who? For Talia? Talia. Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't that be kind of cute? It would. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So what about Fee or Zoe? For Zoe, um, I don't know. Who's somebody who's like Sprite-like? Pink. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah, pink And it could just be silly. entirely because she's had a pixie cut at some point in her life, and that's just what I picture. Yeah, yeah. And then Fee, I want like, I want somebody that's like tall and skinny and timid. Yeah. Like, kind of hunched over shoulders, like, in on herself. Okay. This is the problem. Like, I, I'm i always trying to picture, like, more recent actors, and all that is coming to mind are, like, older, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, actors that we grew up watching and Which stuff like that. Which is where I will always and forever come up with people, because that's just who I know. Yeah. I went See, through a while of reading, like, People magazine in college. So I knew people's names as opposed right. to now. As opposed to now where you don't. Yeah. You can't <laughs> oh, think of them. Who is that person? Who is that person again? Um, what about, what about for, not for Fee, um, for Zoe, I kind of like Michelle Williams. Yep. I could see she that. Would be, she would be a yep. cute one too. I, I would like that as well. She's very sprite-like and, and yes. cute. Fee, I've got no, I've got nobody for Fee. I can't okay. think of a damn person for Fee. That's cool. Yeah. that, that I think that's it, right? I have one more, th- one more page that I folded down and it was near the beginning when okay. Arthur uh first gets to the island I think he's Zoe's taking him to the island and he says to her you're a sprite an island sprite and then what makes you think that she asked you're a caretaker that means nothing your eyes unusual sure but certainly not unique you carried my luggage Oh, I apologize. Had I known I was destroying your toxic masculinity, I wouldn't have. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, toxic masculinity. Yes. One of our, my favorite George and Karen quotes is the toxic 
masculinity ruins the party again. Yes, and exactly. I saw that and I was like, ah. Yes. Love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Karen and Georgia, for being our podcast godparents, I wish. Yes. <laughs> Inspirations. Inspirations, for sure. That's all the questions I have. Okay. Is there anything else about the book that you wanted to discuss? I kind of want to jump in a little bit to the ending of the book because... I feel like I brought this up at at um, book club. I did feel like the ending was like a little bit rushed in a way. I would have loved to see more of like Linus and Arthur living together as a whole family, yes. them all living to, as a family. I just felt like the ending was just um, he goes back, he gives his presentation, and there's no blowback from that. You know what I mean? They all just kind of like fell over to him. And I think they all had charges filed against them, right? All of the extreme labor management, which, okay. But there was no, like you said, blowback. There was no, you're going to lose your job. I can't believe you stood up to us like that. I mean, he knew he was going to leave his job anyway. So what difference does that make? So he didn't care, but I'm surprised that after all of these rules and regulations that they've had to follow forever and having no personal effects that when he stood up there and said that to all of them, they weren't like, F you, get out, you're never working here again. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It was just like, thanks, we'll take it under advisement. Right. And I did want to mention, uh, I did think that um, Arthur as a character was a little bit too underdeveloped for me. Um, I just, he's like one of the most important characters in the books. It comes out like he's a halfway through that he's a phoenix. Yeah. And like one of the most powerful creatures in all of mythology and, you know, whatever. And I just felt his character was just sorry under <laughs> was just underdeveloped for me I, I i would have liked to know more about him yeah they did go into his backstory a little bit his abuse like you know he was abused as a child um at that specific at that, orphanage or, yeah. um and he the reason why he's the caretaker or the you know the the um i guess it is caretaker parent, parent at this yeah. orphanage master that's the word master. yes okay um is because of his specific the time that he had there and you know he was trying to make it better for other kids so they didn't have to go through what he went through but i really would have liked to see more of that come out personally i wonder if there's any plans to have a second book and make it into a series of i some wouldn't kind. be surprised because they have another child they coming they... and they have to get married yes. and and these kids have to develop more and, and i would love more to things. see a full story of them like trying to like live as a family and you know the the hijinks that they all get right. into and lucy still growing yeah. and like growing with the understanding that he is the son of the devil and you know whatever yeah. um I, I i would really like to see I something do, like that i do agree with you though because it, it, it is you know 300 pages of four weeks and yes. then 20 pages of a whole lot of important stuff right exactly that happens yeah. so it I, I agree it could be i am glad that there was an epilogue i don't think it needed to be an epilogue i think it could have just been Part the, the next chapter yeah. yeah yeah i agree I agree. All in all, fantastic book. We enjoyed it. Um, love reading anytime. I think I gave this one magic. five stars. I think I, I was a five, a four star yeah. person, but um, I think that was only because for me, like things always have to live up. Especially when you're when I'm reading like a fantasy book that's about magic, things always have to live up to Harry, Harry Potter, Potter for me. And, and if it doesn't, it doesn't for me. Yeah. So it's not going to be a five yeah. star. But uh, th- that being said, I did love this book. I really enjoyed it, and I do hope that we see more in this specific world. So I hope we do. Yeah. I think we will. So that's that. Let's uh, move on to the epilogue. Epilogue. All right. The epilogue. I, so, Katie, for the first time, 
we did actually get like an actual mailbag question. Did we? <laughs> we did. And um, I got a, a DM from uh, Kathleen Johnson. And there, her question, I hope you had some time to think about this. I did show you, um, I believe I sent it to you and said, hey, Katie, make sure you're thinking about this. And I might have looked at it and then not yes. thought about it, but let's go for okay. it anyways. <laughs> so Kathleen says, fun first two episodes. Here's a question for you, ladies. What is the book that had the biggest impact on you? Not the most influential, but the one that made you stop and think so much you couldn't shake it. Do you have anything in mind? Why don't you go ahead and start? Okay. One book stood out to me in particular, and this is um, one book I, I basically have already mentioned because it, it's in one of the series of the books that I um, were, my, were in my top five. And um, it's the Amber Spyglass from the His Dark Material series. When I read it, I think I had told you that I, I finished it when I was at work. And that was like one of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made in my life because I'm a sap and I cry easily. And I, when I cry, Same. I can't stop. But like, yeah. So there's a passage in, in that book. Um, it's about, it's about, you know, it's about love to be like super sappy or whatever. But um, it's basically these two people saying to each other, they're saying goodbye to each other, but at the same time, they're saying, you know, I'll look for you everywhere I go, everything I do, um, every part of me is going to look for you, and we're always connected. And it's just something that, like, when I finished reading it, I, I don't think I could pick up another book for a couple of days. Like, that's, like, it, it was the one book that gave me, like, the biggest book hangover that I've ever had. Like, couldn't stop thinking about it. I think I came to bed that night, and I was, like, still thinking about it, like, so distraught over it. Um, so that's the one that sticks out in my head. I have a, a couple others written down. Um, my Sister's Keeper will always uh, hit me in a certain way. Um, uh, I Know This Much Is True by Wally Lamb is one of my favorite books, um, and it's uh, incredibly... Uh, horrifying read and sad read but also like uplifting read um that one had a big influence on me um another one by wally lamb was she's come undone he is an, a phenomenal writer if you've never read I've never read any of his anything by him you need to pick up a wally lamb book like he writes female characters so incredibly well she's come undone is a fantastic book Actually, a nonfiction book that has hit me and it like hit me hard and influenced me that I had a hard time stopping. You know, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which is about the Golden State Killer. You read that. I did. And it's fantastic. It's so good. Do you own it? I don't own it, okay. unfortunately. I did get it from the library. Um, there's a passage in it where she is writing a letter to the Golden State Killer. I can't, you know, I can't recite it word for word, but like... She she says, you know, step into the light. We're going to we're going to find you step into the light. Literally, like weeks later, they catch the guy. So I remember being like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I literally just read this book and they've caught him. Like she it's died incredible. before he was caught. Correct. She died. I can't remember exactly when I want to say like it was probably a year before or so. But her husband, Patton Oswalt, finished the book, finished the book for her. Okay. And they put the book out I, I, sometime, 
I think it was published. It wasn't in like, too much before. No, no, it was like published in like February or March, and they, he was caught. I think in April, which is absolutely insane to me. Yes, but um, so that's another one that had a big influence on me. So those are my books. Um, what about you, Katie? You have any I'm in mind? Hit pause real quick. So without thinking about it too much, I know we just mentioned this this book. Uh, Room was definitely one of the ones that it hit me hard, and I I know I cried my eyes yeah. out. Oh, yeah. in that book, like yeah. no, I did. And I'm positive that I read it after I had had kids. And I think it would have been a different reaction sure. if I had read it, if it was out prior to kids. But I think especially that this really has any bearing, but I did nurse both of my kids. And I feel like when she was still doing that and he was five, I think, in the book right. or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah. just because it was good for him and yeah. like the nutrition of it. I was like, oh, I can't imagine doing it for that long. <laughs> But it's like out of necessity in that. Yeah, in that but it was there, and, and and that that I don't know the whole what she did as a mother. Yeah, for him, absolutely. And, and hard book to get through though. Like, yeah, hard book, hard movie to get through. Yeah, tough. Yeah, but. I haven't I haven't read a lot of really good literature books because mm-hmm. it's I think we mentioned in the first episode it's not really my cup of tea. Um, so Wally Lamb has never crossed my path. I wouldn't say that that's really literature, but it's more of a literature than a lot of the stuff I read right right um into the darkest corner was a book that I had said about mentioned for book club at one point in time um that one lingered with me in a a really really creepy way I think it did me too I remember reading that like I felt like I was almost being stalked yeah and it just like goosebumps constantly feeling like there was somebody looking over my shoulder gives you the chills a little bit yeah um okay so thanks for the question kathleen we appreciate it and um you know keep sending in your questions uh and hopefully as we get more and more listeners as these come out we'll get more and more, more, questions, more questions from people that we don't know personally yes, would love that would that. that would be great not that we don't um, appreciate you guys' <laughs> questions uh that being said um you know where you can find us on our social media pages we have an instagram and a twitter page at to be read pod uh, and hopefully by now you know how to spell that, but it is T-W-O-B-E-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. So, you know, send us messages from there um, and follow us. Quick for a follow, please. We'd appreciate that. Let's really quickly talk about... What book are we reading next? What book we're reading next, yes. Um, next on the list is The Push by Ashley Audrain. And I literally know nothing about this book. It just came out. It just came out recently. It I think it was on a a best books list for 2021. Um, I want to say it's a thriller book, so I'm super excited it is, to read it. It is a suspense. Yes. Um, I believe it's actually about mothers. Oh. Oddly enough. Okay. Um, so it might have I think a little bit of a... I think the, the push is actually like the birth. The birth of... Oh, I think so. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, All let right. Me, let me quick look it up. Yeah. So I believe it's, it's about a mom, like a, a new mom who has to take care of her baby and it's not really what she was expecting what i got on that all right well uh, that's you know good enough for now and obviously we'll have a much we'll have a much bigger discussion about it um coming up yes um will we have a cocktail with it of course we'll have a cocktail with it we don't know what it is yet it's probably gonna be milk based Ooh, like a kalua thing yeah kalua type thing okay i like that idea teaser teaser um okay everybody don't forget to uh like I said, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify. Rate and review. Rate, rate and review. review, please. We um, would really appreciate five stars. We love it. And uh, yeah, um, I think that's it. We'll see you next time. Yeah, join us next time when we make your to-be-read pile one book shorter.
Bye, everybody. Bye. Be Red is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turrow. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. Yeah. All right. So let's let's click on over to the epilogue, Sam. <laughs> let's let's start with the prologue. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the prologue. Oh shit. And there's our blooper. Okay.